0: Alright, what's up Midwelles? episode 36, Paul Thomas, Highlands Powered Athlete. This guy is the epitome of a beast. He has been on the national scene as an endurance athlete for close to 40 years since he raced uh, track in college, University of Arkansas. And now he is a coach, gravel extraordinaire, and uh, just an all-around awesome guy. We spend about 45 minutes together talking about His philosophy on training, his philosophy on life, recovery, uh, how he kind of looks at building what he builds as an athlete, and uh, very insightful. Uh, I'm really grateful for the time Paul spent with me, and I kind of wish deep down that we were spending a lot of times together, Paul, if you're listening. Uh, Hopefully we can figure out a way to uh, train together and ride with this guy because he is the best. So grateful for Paul, thankful for the time he spends with us enjoy. Thank you, Paul Thomas. Thank you, Highlands. I hope this is a a great episode and everybody learns a lot. All right. See ya. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to um, the Dwelle podcast. Joined today by Mr. Paul Thomas. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet, man. Grateful to have you. Me and Paul got connected through uh, Highlands. So sponsor the team. Uh, Highlands has been, yep, there it is on a shirt. Paul's a sponsored Highlands athlete. And Mijuele has been a sponsored athlete uh, group team club for the last three years with Highlands. So we got connected. Actually, Paul, we got connected. The first time we really personally connected was when we talked about Lodija last year. That was 2020 that you raced it. And I think I can't remember if you reached out to me or if I heard you were doing it. And then we got connected and talked a little bit about what the race is like and what a bad idea it is and a
1: bad idea, but you should do it. Everyone watching. It's a bad idea, but you (laughs) You should do (laughs) it at least once.
0: So that was fun to connect there. Um, The other place we've connected is Paul. um, So through Highlands, he has been in charge of coaching athletes uh, through the Highlands. The Highlands powered team has done all the Belgian waffle series rides, including the one in Cedar city where Highlands sponsors a team They all ride these gravel races and Paul coaches and trains and helps the teams move through the BWRs to make sure that they're they're fit, they're ready, they know what's coming, and kind of enjoy the experience as a group in the BWRs. Is that a good explanation of kind of what you did with them, Paul?
1: Yeah. Perfect. And uh exactly. We just try to check all the boxes, fitness brain what they're thinking what they're expecting making sure they've got the right bikes and wheels and tires and great group Excellent.
0: um if you go to the internet it's very easy to research paul uh i did this morning and looked at his race history man you raced a lot of bikes in the last 10 years a pretty impressive uh collection in- including um let's see i've got you won your first U.S. championship. Uh, we, we talked about this. You won, you won a championship at 11 years old when you ran a mile in 455. And then you followed that up with a national high school title in 1987. Is that, that's true, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, probably even some good stuff in there I didn't include. But yeah, those kind of book. And <laughs> uh, um, about every seven years, I like to do something good.
0: That's cool. So he's won uh, 12 professional and state championships. The most recent that I could find was the 2020 uh, Arizona State Hill Climb Championship and the El Torta de uh, Tucson Tandem, right, in tandem in 2019, and then the Arizona State 40K Time Trial Championship. So, I mean, there was a lot we did, of...
1: We just added another one just the other day with El Toro de Tucson.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Did, you, and, you and Floyd. Floyd and no, I, yeah.
1: We, uh, Floyd Power. <laughs> no, it was good. It, it was Floyd really fun. Um, <laughs> But, you know, all those things, the, the diversity and all these things that we're talking about, running, duathlon, uh, cycling, then you have mountain biking and tandeming and all that stuff. That's a good recipe to keep going.
0: Very cool. Well, Paul is an accomplished endurance athlete, which is what this group um, it is. you know, as, as we talk to me, really podcast listeners. So I thought it would be really fun to have Paul to talk about um, his experiences, his life, um, kind of the the wisdom that he's gained both in fitness and more importantly, just like lifestyle choices, things that, um, he has seen others do as a coach, um, that can help a lot of the dads or weekend athletes on the team, uh, be better both personally, as well as on the bike. So, um, maybe we could start there, uh, Paul, like a little about uh, your history, how you live, like what you do. Uh, how you got into all this uh, as, a, as a professional?
1: Well, you know, I started when I was a kid with running, and, and that was by chance. As you know, I never looked at sport running as a sport, you, you play football and a lot, but I was good at running laps. So, anyway, that evolved into running, and and uh, I've never been burnt out. And I think that's the key thing. Maybe one of the big takeaways anybody watching here is. And it may be a longer talk than uh, our podcast or whatever we're doing here. But how do you keep this fun? And it's it's easy to follow the the groups of the thought processes and worrying about the wrong stuff. And I just worry about I don't have a severed spinal cord. I've got sunshine. I have people to remain with. People to ride with. And you have all that stuff. And all of a sudden, it's fun if you can you know manipulating your brain we, we do this stuff because we can instead of trying to worry about your upgrade from a three to a two or you know getting that Kona you know, the life's going to be different if you make it to Kona and all that and it doesn't make a difference none of that to me personally none of that stuff makes a difference but if you're enjoying what you're doing and the people you're doing it with there is the key to not only doing it being in the game for a long time not we're not a failure if we don't race bikes or triathlons or whatever for the rest of our lives, but we are supposed to continue to exercise like brushing our teeth. We keep doing it, right? It's healthy. But, um, and if you want to go fast, if you actually want to be there doing it and your brain isn't all doing backflips, you're going to do better. So you're going to be doing it longer and you're going to be doing it faster if you actually find a way to enjoy it. And I think that's probably the, the thing, the missing element with a lot of coaching and a lot of, People reading, I mean there's really not a lot of articles out there on how do you actually make it enjoyable for right. the years to come and that's what I 've done with Highlands is like we put no pressure on anybody to do on these uh, BWR teams there's no pressure to be great, but to actually take the path of least resistance and and enjoy the process. I, I tell everybody if you finish with a smile on your face you're call it a success, as long as it's a real smile. So, uh, you know, I've been, I've been good, I've been slow, I've been fat, I've been fit, I've been all that. And it's um, and really, to me, tranquility is just having the good mental and physical balance to do this stuff week after week, month after year, year after year, decade after decade. And um, so, I found something that works for me. And those that I actually work with and they, they can absorb that, then they figure out how, you know, what this is really all about. You know, and there's nothing wrong with somebody that wants to do it for two years and do everything they can and move on to the next thing. That's typically not the person that I'm, I like to put my energy into because we're thinking two different things. I, I'm thinking, and anything I've won has never made my life better but what makes it better is continuing to do and all the great things that comes with it doing not only still training and racing at a reasonably decent level, but now being with Highlands and having all those opportunities, it's just a healthy, you know, if you can quantify it to be a healthy lifestyle, then the, the, the true wins are the intangibles of, you don't even know that you won, but it's like, wow, man, my life's pretty good.
0: Is this something that you, do you have like a mentor that kind of showed you or is this something you developed over a lifetime?
1: Well, that would be false to say there's no mentors, you know, there's a mentor all the time, you know, but there's some key ones, you know, this guy, Joel Thompson that took me under my wing. So when I went from, and when I was 24, I went from running and tripped across the sport of duathlon when it was a little bit bigger thing than it was. And, but most of my, true inner thoughts are just a lifestyle. I mean it has nothing to do with even uh athletics, but it's simply focusing, knowing what's important and throughout our days and you know, goals and all that stuff is um I think so I have kind of a um, yeah, this a uh, recipe that I've 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 been doing this stuff since nineteen seventy nine. And whatever that formula is, um I don't know how we got here, but I think it's a lot of us. I've never read books on anything. Not to say reading books is bad, but again, I, you keep You'll keep hearing me use the word intangibles. There's, there's things that you can't read about and you actually have to learn firsthand, um, uh, um, by working with somebody and yeah. Um, but there, there's so many mentors out there, you know, the list goes on and on. And, but I, you know, through that you come up with an end product of, just wanting to continue to, it's part of your day. It's really, that's simply as uh, simple as that. It's just part of your day. And, you know, I, a lot of times people are, What are your goals? I, don't, I really don't have any goals. I have zero. I have no goals other than, and the, it's no longer a goal because you, it just keeps repeating. And occasionally there's some good stuff. There's still power in the legs. And, and, um, but that's, that's not the goal. But if it went away, I'd, I'd probably go away. Hold on a second. I remember that feeling, but somehow it keeps, you keep getting lucky year after year feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah. Is, is that uh, like, if you were going to share your coaching advice with, with this group as if they were your BWR uh, athletes, I mean, where does it, where does it begin? What do you start? Uh, what advice do you start giving athletes?
1: Well, what, first thing I help anybody with, what is your life like? Hmm. You know, what, That's why I believe that there's online coaching and everything where you don't talk to anybody. If that person, first of all, the coach, a good, anybody listening right now, if you're trying to find a coach. So if you have a coach with all the certifications and another one with the other half of the certifications, but this coach actually cares, choose that coach. This coach up here, if he doesn't care, it doesn't matter what he knows. So you almost have to reverse engineer what's going on in your life. What's your job? Your your kids? Your travel? Do you drink? Do you uh, how much coffee? You you, know, you you mix all that stuff in, then you come up with a formula, and you reverse engineer and build the act. And I just call it exercise. I don't even call it training because training quantifies. I mean, that's hard. Um, and then you build from that. And and if you don't build from that, you're going to run into a problem because. As I was talking to you earlier, you know, we typically we have TSS scores of, uh, which I don't, i never, uh, I never uh, pay attention to that. Not to say it's bad, but what's your TSS score for life in general? And you have that, that, uh, how do you quantify that? And I think that's the most important thing is to um, build, you got you got to think about if you have three kids and sometimes I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Don't even think about doing loaded. You don't do don't do the BWR. If you have too much crisis, too much, or maybe not even crisis, but just too much stimulation in your life, you have to pick and choose if it's even correct time to do any of this stuff. But to build just a baseline existence for somebody, you got to know what's going on with their life. And if you don't have that and you don't take that into consideration, it's going to be a mess at some point.
0: And, and when, when co- these athletes arrive, for BWR as a, as a, coach, uh, is, is there any warnings you give them any stuff that you've seen like pitfalls that these athletes are making that you would warn against?
1: Well, in a perfect world, and we've talked about this with Highlands, the best thing would be to start the year off with a little three or four day training camp to really get to know the people, see what they look like, see what they're riding and, uh, and, um, and actually teach the flow and the art of riding a bicycle. Cause I don't care if it's gravel road or whatever, there's still an overall art of because there's so much physics going on, and not only the art, but the art what's in your head and how you quantify and how, just, yeah, in person is the best. So I'm I'm pushing for this next year to where we can actually do a little camp. Um, nice. But you know the the major pitfalls is overdoing it, or maybe in some cases underdoing it. Um, typically, it's overdoing it, but. Um, yeah, there's so, many, there's so many moving parts to this equation. It's, um, so it's all case by case. And, um, but it's really fun to figure this puzzle out for every person. Yeah. And then when you see the light go off in somebody's head and all of a sudden they kind of pedal that bike, as they say, with no chain,
0: hmm.
1: so to speak, uh, that's, that's great when you can actually get a person to where they finally get it. And like I ride in the tandem with Noreen, my wife or Floyd or other people, there's a point where it all starts working because you're now pedaling the bike together and whether it's on the tandem or just life in general on the bike, it's, it's magical when you actually get to that point where you feel like you're in the safety zone and you've kind of, you know, everything's kind of clicking.
0: Yeah. You know, um, Paul, like you, you, in my opinion, you found a lot of success both personally and professionally, like. With your philosophy, with the the way that you train, um, what is it that makes? If if you were going to point maybe at three key elements of your life, what has allowed you to be like as good as you are as a as an endurance athlete?
1: Well, one. We'll start with one. I know I can come up with one. We'll okay. probably <laughs> so backstory a little bit. When I was in high school, I didn't even train that much, but I was you know the top runner in the country. Senior in high school. And then I went to college and I was kind of almost like a caged animal where I really wasn't allowed to. And I was, I'm not an introvert, I'm an extrovert. So I got to college and there's no more rules. So I went from being the best runner in the country. And of course you can't expect to be the best in college as a freshman, because now you'll have the best of the best. And I went to university of Arkansas, which is the top distance program or track and field program in, in history. They've won 42 national championships, but, um, Now I'm living my life wrong instead of sleeping eight hours a night, nine hours a night, 40 miles a week, eight hours a night, zero alcohol, no late nights to 75, 80 miles a week, going to bed at two or three in the morning and maybe having too many of those other beverages uh, on the weekends. And all of a sudden I went from here to here. And at one point I was thinking, you know, God, I think my high school coach was better. And I'm saying this about the greatest John McDonald, uh, the greatest coach in NCAA history of any sport. It wasn't that, it was sleep. So number one is sleep. If you don't have your sleep down and you don't have and when you have it down where you're just sleeping at the same time every night, and you're not having to think about it. Yeah, I got another one where you're just actually doing it. That's part of your routine sleep is more important than any workout if you're not sleeping there's nothing there like uh i didn't sleep a lot over the last few days with El order to tucson with uh, a whole house full of people it was great it was fun but because i'm backwards between the the race and then no sleep and the excitement the system's got to shut down and recalibrate and get the sleep back in order before i even get on the bike again there's because otherwise it's just you're riding in the mud and you're riding off into the sunset the wrong sunset so um sleep is probably the most critical thing that i could say for any endurance athlete any athlete as a matter of fact any person if you want to be a better mother or father and you sleep five hours a night two hours a night well you're you're going to be better whatever you do if you actually have sleep you're going to bed at the same time every night waking up at similar to the same time every morning um and just so that's number one. And that should be number two and number three as well. But there's nothing to sell behind it. So it never gets talked about. You can't write an article on sleep and on the opposite page in the magazine. Wait, we don't have magazines anymore. But there's nothing to sell anymore on sleep, except maybe a mattress, right? You know. Right? Uh, but I that uh that's first and foremost is to because if you don't sleep, I don't care what you're doing, you're you're getting the miles in, but you're really not getting the miles in. Yeah. Um, that's one have a structured and that that's is could go off in 20 different directions, have a structured program, you know, that's, that's made specifically for you. And then thirdly, choose who you train your training partners. If you enjoy your, if you and I are riding all the time and you're half wheeling me all the time, it's stressful to ride with Stu. I'm not, I don't want to ride with you anymore. So at that some point I'm going to say, Better yet, I'm the one half wheeling you, and you have to fire me as your training partner. <laughs> Choose your training partners wisely, and if and if it's fun, or I'm sorry, exercise partners. And if uh, you you have you have accomplished that, then it's joyful to be out on the bike every day. If you're not, if you have somebody that's trying to race you, or I guess you could say that life in general too. You just be around people that make you feel good, and you're going to be better at your job. Your sales are higher. Your you everything's going to be a little bit better. So. Yeah. Sleep. Um, number two was a structured program. Again, that that's goes off in so many different directions. Then choose your training partners wisely. Probably never heard that one before, but I think it's critical to actually truly enjoy the people that. If you're on a bike team, if there's three yeah. bike teams out there, and there's one that gives you, you know, um, a bike and a set of wheels and in 14 gels a week or whatever the their protocol is And this other team really has nothing but they're all great guys that you mesh with and you don't mesh with anybody well choose the team where you don't get the free bike because you already have a bike right so the team where you're actually everybody's rowing the boat together that's that's the team to be on
0: it's great advice very good i love that paul i mean uh you know as i look at your life um i i would love to hear more about just your experiences like is there anything that stands out from stories or or highlights that you that you could share that would be fun like a learning experience for everybody listening
1: well god it's so different from sport to sport (laughs) uh god experiences i would say that uh Just the whole thing has just been one. It's, I've never really sat down. I, by the way, I do one thing I suggested to you I do keep a train log, I handwritten ever since 1985. So if I dig dug back and I'd be able to trigger something, but you know, I, I would just say the, the here's something for you if you could go to a race by yourself, I went to this race in Dallas, I got back into Duath on and took a few years off in '99. It was the only time in my life, 96, 97, 98, I didn't do anything. I got the sales job, and that was my new sport, and I killed it. I was number one in sales every day. It was awesome, making money, never made that much money as an athlete. And, uh, but then I went, said, you know what, I don't like this feeling. I'm gonna, I stopped drinking I, for a month, stopped coffee, did everything, cleaned the system out. Then I made it two months, and I said, okay, I'm going to go for a third month. And Anyway, I stopped drinking. Long story short, then I get back into duathlon first race of the year was, uh, the Dan and duathlon in Dallas, Texas. And, um, I went out by myself with nobody, didn't travel with anybody. And I won the race back first race back. I won. I was kind of emotional afterwards. And I was like, wait, am I emotional? Cause I won. But I think it was because I didn't have anybody to share the experience with. So if you can, I, if you can either go to a race by yourself and win or go to a race with some buddies and have fun and get fifth, I'm taking the fifth place mm. and those are the experiences, uh, are analysts and a lot of times they're happening and you don't even know it. you know, for instance, when Floyd, you know, just coming in and doing a tandem race with somebody you've never, and I was going to do the single bike and I was going to possibly try to win elsewhere to juice on, uh, on the single bike. But then he said, Hey, are you and Noreen doing the tandem this year? And I said, no. And he said, do you still own the tandem? Yes. You want to do the tandem? Of course. And I probably would have done that with anybody. Um, And uh, But, you know, it's just creating stories. And you don't even, you're not doing it to create the stories. But then this last weekend, you have all the onlookers have seen what's going on, the synergy between all the people that I'm around. And by the way, everyone's invited. Don't sit on the outskirts. Come into the tent. Come into wherever we're at because you're also invited as long as you have something to add, you know, try to be friendly and, but, um, just experiences, you know, they're, um, that that's to me, that's what all this is about is just having fun. And can you do it with, without the sport, I guess, but I don't know For some, something, there's a synergy about sport in general that creates fun stuff. And Mm -hmm. this last weekend and a year from now, I'm going to go, holy smokes, that was unbelievable. And I'm already thinking that a little bit, but um, <laughs> um, but that's all it is. If, if you're not enjoying the, the, the experience, and if it's just about numbers and the heart rate and the power, and, but maybe for the type A person, that's fine. But I think ultimately someone's going to get worn out. But if you have to enjoy the, they say, enjoy the journey. And this is just one big journey. Nice that's I try to teach the Highlands athletes, you know, it's enjoy the entire process. And after a while, your entire life is the process. It's not just the training. It's uh, how you live your life on the bike, off the bike, in the Hoka running shoes, out of the Hoka running shoes, whatever your poison is.
0: Yeah. Hey, maybe, um, and maybe share that part about, uh, right before we talked, you talked about swimming. I thought that was a really interesting part of, how you, How you recover, how you how you take care of yourself to make sure that this is like a lifestyle and not just a I don't know like a, a crazy hobby that you try to kill yourself doing
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'll start off by saying on the bike or off the bike, your whole life should be thinking about recovery for the next day, the next week or whatever so I'm always trying to do whatever am I going to do right now? So I can feel good more. So this, if the brain's feeling good and you there's a million, a million boxes that we can check. What do you eat? Uh, how do you get back to the sleep? Um, but I'm in the pool more times per week than I'm on the bike. I ride between three to five days a week. Um, I ride a fair amount. I ride 12, 13,000 miles a year. Um, But I'm in the pool all the time, and it's not for the workout. There's um, something about being in the water, maybe a 500 yard swim. And I do, it's the whole complex thing. I do, and I I came up with everything I come up with, I come up on my own. There's, I've never read a book on anything, but you figure out things in your life. What works for me more likely is gonna work for the next person, because we're all more alike than we're unlike. We all have two eyes, two ears, and the nose and all that. But, um, I just somehow figured out the being in the pool. And I still don't know. And I don't, it doesn't matter what's happening. I don't care what it is. I know it works. So maybe it's the water temperature. Maybe it's because you're prone in the water. Maybe, and I do a lot of hypoxic stuff underwater where it's I'm just going really slow. That slows maybe it's the yoga-esque type of slowing the brain down. There's something called the mammalian dive reflex when the face is in water. Again, who knows? Who cares? I don't even care what it is um it works and result is there's nothing bad it's not like we're taking a drug or anything the pool is beautiful so i'm in the pool um probably i don't know eight to ten times a week and it may just be for 15 minutes so that's my recovery is like since el tour i rode just a really short ride on sunday and i won't ride today is tuesday right i won't ride monday tuesday wednesday or thursday and i'll probably get back on the bike on friday so the recovery, you're always recovering in a state of recovery. What are you eating? What are you drinking? I probably even drive my car like this too much. You know, you only you're have so much gas in the tank. And I'm, I always drive my car super efficiently too. I right? don't do this at home, but I coast the downhills, put it in neutral. And do not do that. I don't I don't want to get a call from you. But, but um, if you're just, uh, you're thinking about efficiency all the time, you're, all of a sudden you don't need that much more you don't need all the power in your legs that you're thinking if you're being efficient and always in a state of recovery yeah and, I mean, you hard, great- and the recovery is not for the bike it's for this how how do you feel like your your mental cognition
0: you gave for- great advice you know when you said that if, if you had three hours you know maybe share that part where you said oh, yeah, you had three yeah. hours
1: if i have three hours to exercise or be gone And I kind of wanted to ride three hours. And I'm not going to ride three hours. I'm going to ride two hours and 45 minutes, two hours and 40 minutes. And just being in that pool for 15, and I'm not sitting in the pool. You have to move. You just don't get in the water. Oh, Paul said, get in the pool and get out of the water. I don't feel anything. Even that, if you sat in the water, you'd probably okay. But um, doing whatever the routine I do, that is just that those 15, 20 minutes are more important than even if it was an hour, I'd say, okay. Uh, if I have to drive to the pool and it's going to take time, um, that's just as important as the ride because you, I walk away from the pool and I feel amazing every single time. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I did um, one time, I was, after doing this for a few years, I did the shootout, which is our group ride, and I did um, Mount Lemon afterwards, which is you know another 7,000 feet, you know, a 110-mile day with yeah. you know, um, a big day. And I I would do this. And then on Saturday, getting ready for bill. and then I'd go to the U of A pool. And I was, I'm going to do a test. And I I would sit in the lounge chair and get my heart rate as low as possible, and maybe 66, 67, just doing all the tricks to lower it. And then um, then I'd go do the pool, and I'd come back out after going anaerobic a bunch of times. And come out, my heart rate's 44. But then if I sat there for that same amount of time I was in the pool, it'd still be 66. I did that too so that's my the thing that works well for me and I guarantee it work well and I'm not trying to sell anybody there's nothing to sell them <laughs> except your local rec pool you know you're the, the money that you're gonna have to give them but you know uh, everyone should find those things that work for them and um, the water Someone please do the research and let me know what's actually happening. But
0: <laughs> I just
1: know there's a good result that happens with that. So nice. firm believer in, you know, uh, I was telling you earlier, if I was a runner, elite runner, runner or cyclist, and I really wanted to get the most out of everything, I would start and finish every bike ride or run actually from the pool. So when you finish up, the pool is right there.
0: Nice. Smart. Is that, I mean, when you, when you're looking back on your life, is there anything that you would, that you would do different? Like, is there a, uh, how you, how you structure if stuff? I
1: be, if I wanted to be a great athlete, and again, even when I was, I guess I'm still pretty good, but in those formative years, you know, the, from age 15 to 25 or 30, when maybe you could have made some Olympic teams or whatever. That, I don't even know if that's the answer because of all the mistakes I did and a lot you know I wasted sabotage all the great years I mean just sabotage them but I'm still doing it today and I look at some of my former Razorback teammates and they think I walk on water you know how is he still doing this where they were some of these guys I have a friend that was a 355 miler my roommate college roommate and uh and he wouldn't be mad if i said this uh, but he he's a big guy to begin with six four one eighty. 180 he got up to 406 but he's on the sidelines my biggest cheerleader we put him on the highlands team he lost 50 pounds and but nonetheless if you do you exasperate everything you have at those earlier ages maybe because uh, most most of everybody does nothing now. They're still looking back on the glory days, which is awesome. I love to revisit the glory days, but I'm still making the glory days. You know, like even this last weekend. You know, we're I love hearing the back stories. I love them, and I tell them, and I help remind everybody because I've, I've got a memory like an elephant. I remember every detail of everything. But why not continue to create healthy stories? And uh, so that's one of my goals is with people from my past is actually give them the platform to get back into this. You don't even have to be a racer, but we have to keep moving. There's something about magical about having that, uh, the body, the heart, the legs, the lungs and working in conjunction. And I understand if someone has six kids, five kids, two kids, and, you know, they chose a job and capital management and, but somehow you still have to, you know slide in the, the exercise and that mentality that uh that uh, mindset that goes with it didn't and, and i say you don't have to be a racer but there are all, next thing there is something about racing when you know you have to pin a number on your jersey you're then you go through all these healthy processes that you once did when you're younger and you all of a sudden start remembering what it's like and um so i tell people you don't have to race but sometimes it is okay to do and racing at BWR is nothing like running the NCAA cross-country championships, you know, because you could go out there and just be a part of it versus, you know, running your brains out to try to get top 20 at NCAA cross-country. But um, if I – I guess I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I, I did it all backwards back then. Now I do it all perfect. And if I had this mindset – hindsight's twenty twenty, right? If I had this <laughs> mindset back then – I'm, you know, the runners, I beat Bob Kennedy, Mark Davis, Todd, I beat all those guys. They went on to make Olympic teams. And, but now they're, I think they look at me and said, wow, this is amazing. So do it all when you're 25 or maybe have some pitfalls and do it wrong, but you're still at 53 able to, quite frankly, I'm a better athlete at 53 comparatively not age graded than i was when i was 20 because i was doing it all backwards you know i was 29 30 10k runner whatever i'm doing now is probably similar to that but now i'm 30 some odd years older <laughs> so and this is about me this is but my experiences. anybody that's watching listening or talking to another friend that's listening this, how do you manage your life so you can continue to and you know this is not about being good not being a cat one or two or five or lead goal top lead goal finisher but everybody has what's good for them and it's always good to kind of have some parameters to stay within um you know we need guidelines right
0: yeah you know it's funny when i as you're talking about that i thought about there's sometimes when i'm out in public places so when i'm like when i see people or I'm like at an airport and, uh, I'm not judging to be mean. I just feel sad sometimes to see like a person who I feel has like wasted the opportunity to take this incredible machine, this incredible body and like, do make it do what it can do to, to spend a lifetime training a mind and, and your heart and your lungs and, you know, your legs, whatever, whatever you're training And I feel sad sometimes when I see a person like that, but I'm like, man, that guy, that body, it can't even get up the stairs. And it makes me sad. It is like
1: kids. We were all the same when we were three, four. We all played. We're on an equal playing field. We all played, And if we we can't really remember what we felt like, but it was good, right? Because we're swinging on monkey bars, throwing balls at each other, running around if everybody can remember what it's like, but then you see someone such as yourself or myself or the people that we surround ourselves, they, they stay on that at the high plane where these other people have just given up. And, um, and it's easy. It's a turn of a, a turn of the screwdriver just a bit to the right or to the left a little bit to get you in that flow, but you got to somehow get in that flow. So if we're talking about an obese person or quite frankly, some guy that's, a cat three and he's wants to be a cat one, but he's doing everything wrong. And um, yeah, if there's in the free stuff, I'm in the bike business. I sell a brand called squad cycles. I'll talk people out of buying a bike sometimes with gravel and road bikes. When there's something that costs nothing, if they already have a good bike, buying a new bike isn't always the answer a lot, but that's what the average cyclist thinks that they get the new bike not have a formula and this all goes back to the people you see in the airport but same with the cyclists you take the low-hanging fruit the low-hanging fruit generally doesn't cost much or nothing at all like sleep and uh so say you came to me and you said hey paul i've got the, the new squad route, and i'd like to upgrade and i don't What what do you want to know oh, i'm on a i'm on a louth Okay, is there anything wrong with it? No? Okay, so you're ready to spend eight grand. Okay, all right. Uh, Stu, how much do you make a year? A hundred grand a year. Okay, how many times does, um, how many, is so that you make about roughly 50 bucks an hour. How many times does 50 go into 8,000? I mean, we do the math, whatever that is. A month. Yeah. And um, I'm going to say, okay, I'd love to sell your bike, Stu, but the real answer is, take eight thousand dollars off of work don't buy a bike and and take that time time off the bike maybe you're taking every wednesday off of work or you're doing whatever and use that for hmm. that time to actually ride and do or do whatever gets it, in the pool let's not forget about the pool that may cost you three dollars a session though but um <laughs> the uh what the low hanging fruit is is not necessarily buying a new bike it's um it's um and let, let's not talking about buying squads if you nice things i i like to get brand new people on bike those are my favorite people to get a bike so um you know the the low hanging fruit in life is n- normally doesn't cost anything the important stuff buying new bikes and the new norma came out with a new norma nope you don't need norma now because you're going to the pool <laughs> so love yeah and then uh and to go do an El Toro de Tucson this weekend a bunch of cat one cat two riders we're talking about wasted ability and the low-hanging fruit hmm. it was a disaster this week you know the wind's coming from the right so therefore we should be echeloned off to the left and when you pull off when you're on the front you pull off to the right into the wind but this cat one rider almost took the whole field down pulls off to the left but understanding all that that uh all those things in life on the bike that just learning that's you don't have to buy anything for that so so whether that's if you're cool. the overweight person in the denver airport or salt lake <laughs> airport or or the person that wants to be great on the bike but they're pulling off the wrong side and they sleep four hours a night uh <laughs> Well, I don't like, I don't like to waste anything.
0: That's cool. Such good advice. Hey, um, maybe Paul, uh, spend a few minutes talking about 2022 with Highlands. What, like what's going on and if people are listening, how, uh, what are you doing there? How how do people get involved and and maybe just explain the process?
1: Well, we're going to hopefully field four teams for San Diego, Asheville, Cedar city, and then Lawrence, Kansas. I was at all four of them this year. Okay. Great events, you know, for gravel, they're all doable for anybody who's watching aside from Highlands. Great events, they're just doable, right? Some of these races they make them so hard. They want to throw in where you're jumping through fire hoops or yeah. you know, some some shenanigan, Uh, but they're all great. You know, they're um uh I've done I the only one I didn't do was Asheville. I and this year I didn't I didn't race the races. I because i truly wanted to be there for the team and if i'm racing even though i don't take it that seriously part of your brain is elsewhere because you have to get ready yourself so i asked uh, the team at highlands i said do you mind if i don't race and at first they kind of uh well we'd like you to race but i guarantee you i'm gonna make a better experience for the highlands team at the races and they saw what happened because i'm in the feed zone and i'm doing this and i'm Right. Got all over the place. I and mean, it's an undertaking I'm destroyed after those races, even if I did don't do the race, but, uh, going into this 2022 where well, at some point there'll be an application process to sign up for the team, um, for, for, and we pick four different teams. There may be some overlap. Maybe there'll be one or two people that do a few races, but we try to get a fresh group for, for each event. And, um, well, all we're looking for is we want people that are happy, that are willing to learn, they're willing to add value, that want to finish. You got to want to finish, and then there's other criteria. You know, they're hoping you have some social media following and all that stuff, um, which is important. You know, obviously it's the ambassadorship team. We got to get the name out there, but really Highlands, their true concern, which I think is amazing, it's not about the finish. Sure, they like the social media, but they are at the race, wanting to make sure. That you've got everything you need, and I, it's almost like they're your their the crew or your parents, you know, where they're. Um, which I think is, cause typically any kind of sponsorship, it's about okay, what are we getting out of this? Um, what's our ROI and all that. But that, when we get to the races, Team Highlands, the the corporate part of it, they're sincerely in there with their heart. They want they're there for all these. We're there at the feed zones. The last person finishes in, we're all together and. So the team, we go to the, there's really no teams out there. Then there's Highlands and it's not a high powered team. There's one or two people that's, had some, uh, it, that's at the front, but by and large, we're spread out through the entire field and the feedback we get from other people are unbelievable that uh, because of that, there is a unity there. Going to back to what we we're talking about at the beginning of the the, the conversation is train and race with those that you have fun with and that's exactly what highlands offers it's we pick the team carefully and we have fun
0: very cool Yeah, i saw the i mean the social media on highlands is so cool to watch how you interacted with the athletes uh the profiles that they shared with each of those because they each kind of had a different story of like why they were part of the group and uh, their background of, of why they were doing the race. It was really fun to watch. I mean, Highlands did a great job pr- producing the story behind the racers. It was cool. I, I, I really did. That's
1: amazing. And you know, all for what, you know, you're thinking that's why I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping they got something out of it because I had such a blast of doing it. Even though I didn't do the races, <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers that it happens again and again and again. And, um, and uh, again, I, I hope it does because our, I'll I'll be there every year for it. It's it's uh, it's really fun. It's but back to the thing. Enjoy find people you enjoy doing it with. And everybody, there was no combativeness on the team. Everybody truly wanted the other person to do well.
0: Cool. Well, Paul, as we uh, kind of come into for a landing here, any any closing thoughts? Any uh, anything we missed?
1: Well, I would say take this off season, as we call it. You know, there's not a lot of racing. And how do you tiptoe out of a long year without completely shutting the system down, and or sitting in your basement just still hammering out the intervals on your Wahoo kicker? What are you going to do to refresh your brain and your body to go into next year? Because right now is critical. We talk about sleep. This is actually sleep now because there's no there's there's no events. But you have to recover. If if you're an athlete that just trains six hours a week, there's no major downtime that you need. But if you've been getting ready for these BWRs and um, Unbounds and all these different races that we take part in, at some point you got to turn the engine off. Not completely, but what are you going to do? And that's where being a multi-sport athlete comes in handy, is that you have other tools to pull out of the toolbox to do, because let's face it, we don't need the, to be on the bike all the time. And it's healthy, not only for the other body parts, but to do, like if all my running friends that turn to cycling, I tell them never ever stop running because if you stop running, then all of a sudden your, your gait and everything, you forget how to run and then your legs, your imbalance. But if you always continue to run. So I always say it's good to be a multi-sport athlete where you have ability to get into a pool and you're not such a fish out of water and you can run and you can do other things because we don't need to be on the gas all winter so i say sleep is very important but this part of the year is basically sleep but still moving and um and i will say in in tucson arizona it's tough to get eight hours a night sleep because that means you're going to bed at 8 30 because you have to wake up early and i think we all get robbed of sleep during the summer no matter where we're at um, so I do, I kick the sleep up to, I just, uh, probably add nine, 10 hours a night during the winter time. So kind of like a bear hibernates. And because if you've been on the gas all year long racing or doing whatever you're doing, running the battery low, if you don't fill the battery back up, you're in for a horrible next year. Yeah. And you're trying to play catch up and you're trying to do all the tricks. You're going to adrenal doctors, you're doing running all over the place, getting, antidepressant medicine and all that stuff but the best way to avoid all that stuff is sleep
0: it's great advice paul and i know i mean speaking from you like from from a wisdom standpoint as well as like all the athletes that you've been around uh i hope we're listening it's great advice man it's awesome
1: oh thank you that's uh well low-hanging fruit
0: nice well hopefully we can train one day i mean uh You'll be here for Cedar City if you're ever in Salt Lake. We'd love to ride some canyons with you or something fun. Um, It'd be awesome to get out. That's where I'm from, born in Salt
1: Lake. Oh, nice.
0: Uh, I didn't know that. That's great. 84104
1: was the zip code. 84104?
0: I'm 84124, so yeah, close. You're probably in a higher rent district than me, but. (laughs) Nice, Paul. All right, man. Well, we'll see you out there. Appreciate your time. Very great. I mean, it's been uh, it awesome. Really grateful to have you on and fun to watch you and the Highland squad. So appreciate your inspiration, man.
1: I have one more piece of advice for you. Do it. Go take a nap.
0: Take <laughs> I'm ready, man. <laughs> I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> Let's do it.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Stu. Okay,
0: Paul. Thanks so much, man. All right.